Have you been scrolling through many, many, many film podcasts thinking there's far too many of these? Or have you been thinking there's something missing? There's something we're not quite getting. A waffler from Northern England reviewing films, for example. Welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. No politics, no pandering, no point. Do you know one of those films that you watch and you think, oh, I really shouldn't like this? It's daft, it's silly, it, the, the characters are paper thin, the story's paper thin, but then you really enjoy it, like despite yourself, despite wanting to be like, oh no, rubbish, it, I really enjoyed this one. Um, the opening the opening kind of crash event, disaster thing, premonition if you like, isn't great. But the rest of the film is an absolute blast. Speaking of blasts, Jesus, if you hear any uh, like background noise or wind or anything like that, we had Storm Arwen came through yesterday and there's fences down all over the place. The garden fence is completely down. I think the neighbours is completely down on the other side. There's fences down out on the road big fences as well um thankfully i don't think any cars or anybody's been hurt um around here thankfully but yeah i mean have you noticed the the more kind of boring the name of a storm like the worse it is like if they had storm death trap it'd like knock a few wheelie bins over they have like storm desmond and it's just horrific never got that i'd love to know who names these I mean, presumably the Met Office, but I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so just in case you hear any background noise, that's what it is. Uh, so welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. And this episode, we're going to be talking about The Final Destination, the fourth in the Final Destination series. Came out in 2009 and it came out in 3D. Now, back when films like everything was coming out in 3D, Avatar came out in 3D. I think My Bloody Valentine came out in 3D. I regret not seeing that, actually. Might have been entertaining. Everything was coming out in 3D. It was kind of like the thing of the time. That seems to have died a bit of a death. And this film, I think, suffers somewhat from not being seen on a big screen. Because as I said in the beginning, the 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 kind of the beginning premonition, the disaster, is at the McKinley racetrack. I think it's, it's like NASCAR racing, uh, that kind of that kind of event. I don't know much about cars, so apologies if it it isn't. And there's just cars exploding all over the place, and it's just over the top, ridiculous. But in 3D, it worked because things were flying at... Well, they weren't flying at you. They were, like, flying all over the place. It was entertaining to watch. Um, And this film knows... I've just read a review, and I don't usually take notes of reviews, but I read a a review on IMDb for this film, and it just said, embrace it. Just embrace the silliness and embrace... It knows what it is, and it goes for it. And you can tell that straight from the off. Um, there's a character called Hunt, and he's the best... I'll have to be careful how I say that. And he's the best one in it. And right at the beginning, he has some really like snappy lines. Like He's just a complete... Um, what, what do you call it? Like when someone's just... Well, he's, a complete, he's a complete ass, basically. He, he's just sarky. Um, 
he's not the main character though nick is and they sat at the racetrack with uh nick's with his girlfriend laurie and then there's their mate janet who's been out with hunt before but he's uh, you can tell he's a proper player and he he's not going out there anymore and they sat around and there's things happening like like in the first film like like a man puts tampons in a kid's ears because the race is too loud and the dad's like no no what are you doing someone shouts like down in front asshole there's a broken bench there's like crumbling concrete he's getting this kind of odd feeling and he's like how old's this place like oh i don't know um motor oil blows over and a car slips on it mind you though it's like one of those five liter bottles and then you see the puddle it puts on the racetrack and it's like it's huge you think well that much wouldn't come out of that little bottle but don't don't overanalyze it just enjoy it and you can see that the sat in stand 180 uh, the flight 180, highway 180. Yeah, it's been all over the place. So that's kind of the the callbacks to the other films. They're at the McKinley racetrack, which was the name of the school and the name of one of the characters in the third one. And it says there's a, t- a T-shirt someone's wearing and it says, life's a bitch, then you die, any questions? And Nick said, oh, do you feel like, so you see the like, wind Ripley says, I felt something like touch me, something strange. Uh, that someone leaves a screwdriver in one of the cars, it flies out towards the screen. Uh, a car hits it, blows its tyre, and flies into the crowd. So, yeah, there's cars just smashing into each other, blowing up out of nowhere. Um, like I said in the second about the second film, uh, the highway disaster and that, there's, like, explosions in this that Michael Bay would, you know, get excited about. Like, <laughs> there's just cars blowing up all over the place, bonnets, cut people in half. Uh, the ceiling, like the, the stadium stand, which is concrete, starts like collapsing on people. Um, and it, it doesn't go as oh, well, yeah. I mean, I suppose it does. So it goes as bloody as the third one, it does, but it uses practical effects, which instead of a lot like for the deaths, which I think is worse because it looks more realistic. Although there's, there's a bit later on where you see a guy's head burning and it's clearly like it's clearly a prosthetic and it looks terrible, and you're like, really. Why did you have to show that? Like the, the tone of this film is just like, we know what we are. If you're here watching this fourth film, you're here for the 3D, you're here for the deaths, you're here for the silliness. And it is, I reckon this would be a cracking film to watch with your mates, uh, with a couple of cans. It'd be, it'd be a cracker to watch, just just to enjoy, just embrace the silliness of it. And it is, it is entertaining. I mean, it's, it's short. It's the shortest one in the series. I think it's only an hour and 20 minutes long. 80 minutes, 81 minutes. And what happens after that? Oh, yeah, a guy get a, gets a, he falls over and like a cracked bench goes like straight to the back of his head and out of his mouth. And that was quite cool in 3D. Um, Hunt and Janet, they get crushed by concrete. Then, uh, no, Hunt and Laurie get killed by concrete. No, no. Oh, whatever. They end up getting killed. Nick gets thrown onto like some concrete rebar reinforcement bar and he's impaled and then he wakes up and he's like he comes to and he's like oh no that and his mate's drinking um like straight jack daniels out of a like binoculars but it's a it's a hip flask that looks like binoculars which are quite cool and he goes oh no it's, it's not jack it's this and he says you've been through my stash and he says tampons she puts tampons in the kids ears then she does it and he says down in down in down in front asshole and the, the the girls are like kind of freaked out, whereas his mate's just like, that's a lot of tampons for one woman. Like it's just really some really funny lines from 
from the Hunt character. He's by far the best. And the film suffers when he's towards the end. It gets like more the the race against the clock to to save people. And this film actually, unlike the others, from what I can remember, this has like a second long vision in it, like premonition. You know, like they usually only have them at the beginning. Uh, with like signs and clues, this film goes for the in a little bit of a different way, which I quite liked. And let's have a look. And he down in front asshole, and, we, and he's like, "We have to get out of here." And they're like, "That's not funny." They end up in a fight as they always do. Uh, I don't see like if somebody wants to get out, if your mate wants to get out, and they're all screaming and crying, you'd be like, "All right, mate, go." Like, <laughs> like Hunt tries to stop him. Obviously, that needs to happen so that people can get embroiled in it, and drinks can get knocked over, and that kind of thing so a few people come out there's there's a redneck with his girl that's what they say there's a redneck with his girlfriend and he tells her to stay there she gets killed uh because his drink gets knocked over she doesn't get killed the drink oh anyway it, it, a drink gets knocked on him he goes out his girlfriend dies she doesn't get killed by a drink just to clarify that one there's um like a, a mechanic guy and his girlfriend they go out they go out there's um, a cowboy sits in front of them, but he doesn't make it out. Um, well, he's not a cowboy. He's got a cow- Jesus, just get on with it and describe it. I'm making it harder than it seems. A lot of people go out with him, right? Cannon fodder. You know, it's not Shakespeare. I don't need to go through the characters. A lot of people end up out with him, right? The disaster happens. And for once, he reacts like I thought most people would react. <laughs> Do you know how in the in the other films, they're always like dead bereft? He's like, that's just, that's what I was talking about. He's quite angry. Like, that's what I was on about. No one would listen to me. I thought, yeah, some people would be like that. And the a tire hits, a tire flies out and hits the, uh, no, hits the, hits this guy's girlfriend, chops her in half. And the practical effects for that were horrendous. Um, and everyone's like sc- screaming. She's like, have you lost your mind? And this tire just flies out of nowhere and takes, like, splats her. Um, then we have the, an introduction, uh, the, what are they called? Opening credits, opening credits. And we've got like CGI X-rayed, like X-rays, um, showing some of the deaths from the previous, uh, films. Cause this was meant to be the concluding chapter. So it had like the bus, it had the sign hitting Carter, it had, um, the ladder falling into Lewis, um, it had the fence blowing into Rory. It, it goes through like some of the famous deaths of the of the of the, of the films, and it, there's some nice throwbacks. It's got like a rock version of the theme tune, and you know you know that it's um, that it's not taking itself too seriously. It goes to a coffee shop uh, called Death by Caffeine, good name, and Nick's saying, "Look, I just they're all sat in silence." Hunt's playing with his lucky coin, doing that trick where you flick it between your fingers for dexterity. And he says, oh, I don't know, I just saw it. And he, he can't remember, I liked it, he can't remember the order, that because it's that all over the place, he can't remember the order people were supposed to die in his vision. They go back to the racetrack, and then the, the security guard is there. He's played by, um, I always want to say Bubba Gump, can't help it. No, not Gump. His name's not Gump, but Bubba from Forrest Gump. Is it Mattel, Mattel Key Williamson? And he's great in it. I mean, he, 
this is what I mean. Like this film pulls out like some decent actors as well and goes, all right, we'll throw this in. So that at least grounds it in a little bit of realism. And the mechanic comes back. Um, the, the redneck. No, no, that the mechanic. The, the redneck comes back and says, you know, you killed my girlfriend. Because he wouldn't let him. The security guard wouldn't let him go back for his girlfriend. But he told his girlfriend to stay there. So he was, obviously it's his. He feels guilty about it, but he's projecting it on the the security guard and he's quite racist that well no he's quite he's just shockingly racist to the to the security guard and just says you know your time's going to come and uses some quite awful racial slurs um and nick and them are like oh hang on a minute there's no need for that and he just walks off we see nick asleep and he sees like visions of a horseshoe um like a tore up fire a burning cross and a red door and then we see but he doesn't know what it means he just thinks he's out he's out of nightmare we see the truck driver the racist from earlier that's literally i don't know his name they even they even call him that the, the racist guy in this um he's a tow truck driver he drives down the street he's been drinking beer he hits a few cars he's drinking heist pale ale which has been in every film since the second one another nice throwback there which i think was named for the special effects guy from the second one and he bl- obviously blames the security guard for his wife's death. And uh, the security guard's called George. He's reading Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you see that the guy's tow truck says destiny towing, which is that foreshadowing he's going to die. And he goes up and he's he plants this cross in the front. In uh, Well, he's going to plant it in George's front garden because it's like a Ku Klux Klan thing, isn't it? Um, and so again, with like that, that side of it, the racial division, uh, which I mean, isn't, it is a silly film, but it does have like moments of seriousness in it. Um, I think if you, if the film was made now that people would probably accuse it of being quite flippant about, about those, but I like the fact that it addresses them and we get some more kind of a little bit of social commentary later on. Um, and then the the stuff falls down, knocks, because I, I don't understand it right. Those trucks that have like a lever next to the steering wheel that makes them drive, I don't, I don't understand right. Um, and some uh, the horseshoe falls down, so that's what you saw in his vision, hits it, the truck starts going, hits the radio, and it's uh, the song, Why Can't We Be Friends? Um, and obviously he's thinking, gosh, like, I need to turn it off because I'll wake people up. And he gets caught by the chain and he gets dragged along the street and I think fuel starts leaking. It sets on fire and he gets dragged down the street on fire. George comes out and is like, and then the, the truck explodes and his head, uh, the racist guy's head ends up on his lawn on fire. And I was, the practical effect was pretty poor for that. They shouldn't, they, they panned right down to it as well, looked straight at it, and I thought, what, why, why did you do that? And I also thought, was it supposed to be funny? I could remember people laughing when I went to see it in the cinema, but I mean, God, you're talking, what, 12 years ago? Yeah, so, but I remember people laughing at it. And, but when you watch it back, it's like, is it supposed to be funny? The, Nick has another vision, scissors, cigarette, stone, and an eye. And Nick says, I think I saw clues about how that racist guy died. That's a quote. Um, then we see the kids with their mum. They don't even get names, I don't think. 
Um, and the kids are throwing rocks. This sign, a guy's uh, mowing this like, it's like a lawn in, in the middle of a load of shops, a square, if you will. And he's the guy's like, hey, would you stop doing that? It's dangerous. And the man looks at him and he's, he's filling up his, um, he's filling up his lawnmower with petrol while he's having a, he's having a cigarette. And you think, well, it's not very safe, is it? She just looks at him as if to say, yeah, all right. Um, and the humour in this film comes from the quite quirky performances. There's a um, a woman who plays the receptionist at the hairdresser. She's really funny. Um, the like I said, the film doesn't take itself take itself too seriously. The lady's getting a um, the mum. The kids are just the I don't know. They go get slushies or something. She's sat in the in the chair getting her hair cut, and you know you gather that you think, oh, she's next. And she's getting a haircut and it, the film makes really good use of sounds. So the sound of the scissors cutting the hair, there's a really like, what I mean, I'm cringing thinking about it where she gets, is it a pedicure on your feet? And the, one of the other women's got like one of those, na- uh, it's not a nail file. It's like a, it goes under your nails and scrapes out the dirt. Oh, and the noise, the, the, the noise of metal scraping under a toenail is just horrendous. And they do close-ups. It's so uncomfortable and it's building the tension like, oh, what's going to happen? And you see a loose ceiling fan, standard for these films, um, body butter get, gets knocked on the floor and the tension builds. The ceiling fan gets looser and you think, oh, what's going to happen? Is she going to get you know, a head cut off or whatever? And a can slides on some oil, a hairspray can slides into some straighteners and then she's getting a cut quite close to her eye and you think, oh, God, what's going to happen? And then the, the, the chair, which is dodgy, drops and she's all right and you think oh god this is is too much this and then the noise um what does that say all right so the noise like builds up the boys running and slip over and then the fan gets hit by the exploding hair can and it falls right in front of her spins and it falls down right in front of her and she's like right we're going come on boys the boys have spilled the slushes all over the floor and she's she's had a she's on going for a girls night out. She's had her hair done and all that kind of thing. She's like, right, boys, we're going. And she says, I've got my eye on you two. And she turns around. She opens the door, and one of the stones that the lads threw earlier at this sign, the guy runs over with his lawnmower and it flies out the side and just goes straight through her eye. And she just hits the deck, and yeah, it it doesn't show the kids. Um, it doesn't show because I think in the original premonition. The kids and the dad get out. The mum gets hit by the engine, which is pretty rough. Um, and you hear the hairdresser and the kids like screaming. And it it goes to outside the shop. Um, and and I thought that was a, a good way of doing it because it would have been a, a probably wouldn't have worked with the tone of the rest of the film. But that's quite a. It's a good. It's a it's a unique death in one of these films that that. You expect it to, to be all these dangerous things around her and it sets it up to be the fan, it sets it up to be an explosion. And then it isn't it isn't any of those elaborate schemes. It's just a stone that flies out of a lawnmower and goes straight through her eye, which is apparently, I've had a bit of a read-up, uh, well, not that much of a read, it was just on IMDb trivia. Um, apparently that came from a real incident. Um, and then we see Hunt and Nick and... 
uh, Laurie and what's her face, the other one, whatever her name is. And Hunt's like, oh, we've just lost a really hot MILF. And as I said before, Hunt's the standout character in this film. Nick's been doing a bit of research about premonitions and Hunt's like, right, okay. And this is another thing I liked, realistic, I mean, it's silly, but realistic way that some people might react, or probably would react. He gets told, Hunt, I think, you know, I think we're on a list, we're going to die. And Hunt's like, right, well, we're going to get killed, I'm going to go get laid. If I'm, if I'm dying, I'm trying, or something like that, he says. He's like, keep up the good fight, guys. And oh, Janet, that's it, she's ran out, like, upset. She thinks they're nuts. And he says, if I see Janet on the way, I'll talk to her. And then he says, you know, if I'm sensitive, if I'm ever sensitive, it'll kill me. And he has another vision, Nick, and he sees a blowtorch flames. Um, and he thinks, I think, and he's trying to remember, he said, I think it's the mechanic guy next. And he, they go to the racetrack. The security guard, George, is like, you better have a good reason for trespassing. Um, and is it Nick? Nick says to him, look, I can't remember the order. And then the security guard's like, oh, come and have a look at the, the footage. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, of like 50 people dying, Jesus. And surely the authorities would have taken all the tapes. Don't think about the logic because the, the film needs to happen. Okay, so um, you get the theme tune, the film's, the, the series theme tune in the background, which is quite cool. And they see that the mechanics left his jacket on the seat and it says Grand State Customs, so they know where he works. They go to his work and he says, your life's in danger, we think you're next. And his boss is like, Andy, take him outside. And the mechanic, this guy who lost his girlfriend to the tyre, George says to him, I know how you feel, I lost my wife and child in a, in a car crash, I was drunk. And he says, I think about it every day. A car rolls off like a platform and flies towards the mechanic who there's a fence between him and the characters. This is something the film does. So it does it during the opening sequence. Is it, it puts like fences between people or to kind of emphasize the 3d. Um, but they do have to be outside. So it makes sense. And then the car flies down, but it's, it's attached by a rope. So it stops and leaves a gap. And he's like, geez. And then you think, and the guy's like, look, I've got a job to do. I'm around dangerous stuff every day. I just need to get on with it. I'm sorry. And then as he walks out, he walks around the truck and summit falls as it does in these films, the wind, you know, and um, one of those oxygen or gas bottles flies, hits him and just smashes him into the fence. And he kind of parts of him fall through the fence, the other side. It's like one of those, I was going to say hexagonal fences. Um, so that's that's pretty brutal. And then we see Hunt um, getting laid with this woman in this kind of... He's at like a private pool. I know it's private because there's no lifeguard on it. And he's... They're there. And he like he finishes and she's like, are you kidding me? And he's like, oh, I finished like four minutes ago. And he, uh, have you ever played Donkey Punch? Now, apparently that that joke was ad-libbed by the actor and the director thought it was that funny, he left it in. And it is one of the... the um, Well, that character has the most memorable lines in it. I mean, you do think that the, they made this film 3D just to have that scene in it. 
And you'll know what I mean when you watch the scene and you think, oh, this is a bit, it's a big, well, it's, it's not gratuitous. Well, but it's a bit in your face, literally in your face. And you'll see what I mean. Um, the, the He thinks, oh, I think Hunt's next. He has another vision of water. And he says, I'll go for Hunt. I'll find him. And I think he, does he ring him? And he, and he says, oh, I'm at, I'm at somewhere and he tries to tell him about the water, but this kid hits Hunt with a, a water gun, starts laughing at him. So Hunt like pops his raft, throws him off, takes his gun and puts it in like on this fence, which is like the control bit falls down, hits the drain, the, the drain pool lever and Laurie goes for Janet to try and find her. Rookie error Janet makes. She she has bird poo on a window, right? Never put your wipers on. It just spreads it. Just spread. Leave it to dry. Or wipe it off. Like, don't hit it with the water. Because it just goes... It's oily. So it goes across your windscreen, right? So she thinks... And a sunroof keeps opening. Because it's faulty. But she's like, come on, you custom piece of so-and-so. And Nick is trying to... As he's on his way, um, a truck pulls up next to him. And it says, clear... Clear rivers water, clear rivers being a main character in the first two. And he gets a vision of soap, coin, water and blood. And he rings Hunt and tries to tell him, look, don't stay away from water. And he doesn't get the voicemail because the kid hits him with a water gun. And Janet goes to a car wash. And I was thinking, seriously, with a faulty car, with a faulty sunroof. But it doesn't matter because this is also one of the standout in the whole series. I, I, I do believe that. It, um. And also what I was thinking, because she goes in the car wash, she manages to um, shut the sunroof. She goes in the car wash, an automatic one. Um, What's it called? What's it called? Her aerial, the car aerial flies off, hits the control box, stops the rollers. uh, not, Not the rollers that are washing the car, stops the rollers under the car, so she can't move forward. Now, here's me thinking, well, if the car was manual, you could have just put it in first, First gear and driven away. But it's automatic, so she, it just spins. She just rams her foot down. It don't go anywhere. And Laurie, ring, Laurie rings her and says, Janet, you, you're in trouble. And she loses signal. Of course she does. Uh, a pipe breaks above her. The sunroof's opening. And the car starts to flood. She can't get out because of the wipers and everything around the car. Um, and there's a, she starts to climb out because the car's flooding. And her head gets stuck because it starts to shut again. And there's a brilliant shot. And she screams as the roller, the rollers start again under the car. And there's a brilliant shot where her head's stuck and she's screaming. It shouldn't be funny, but it is. Uh, as this massive roller comes towards her. And in 3D, it looked great. I, I don't have it on 3D for the DVD, um, unfortunately. And it goes back to the pool. And then um, a golf ball. Um, hits Hunt and his lucky coin rolls in the pool. He jumps in for it, gets pulled into the vent. There's horrible noises as the pressure builds and his insides get ripped out, blown out the top. To be fair, they only show you blood coming out of like the vent. They don't show you him. It makes some good choices in that respect of where, like the mam's death, it doesn't show you because it, it, it will be too much, I think. And this film I wrote down at this point, it's, it's like Final Destination Streamlined. It's a breakneck speed, bigger budget, impressive set pieces, uh, and some standout 
some standout ideas, the car wash, the stone, uh, the performance from um, Nick Zano, is it? And and also uh, Mikkel, uh, Michael T. Williamson. Um, they go to see Joe. Uh, they save Jan at the drive up. Uh, the, she hits her car and knocks her back. And then a pipe falls down and it smashes the windscreen, drains the car. They save Janet. It skips him. George thinks he's next. And he says, look, I'm at peace with it. I'm ready. He sat with a brandy in front of him at home and his uh, Alcoholics Anonymous chip. Uh, but he can't he can't pick it up. He can't drink it. He looks so like, because of what's going on, he's, he's so upset. It's good acting, to be fair to him. We see Laurie and Nick doing the old customary found destination death proofing your house which involves putting some knives in some cardboard and putting some sticky tape around it that'll save you um oh yeah so the some coffee spills on a paper and it says through action they were saved and they think they've been saved they go to george's house he's he's hung himself you think he's dead and he's the rope breaks and he's he's like i've been trying to kill myself all day that got a big laugh when i watched it and he just sits there with the noose around his head, dead depressed. And they figure out, we well, we must have been saved. We must have been saved. Then they have some apple cider to toast to life because he can't drink. And the, we see Laurie and Nick packing. Um, and he, she, oh, no, no, he, Nick's packing, sorry. Laurie's gone with Janet to the cinema. She says, oh, do you want to come see the film? It's in 3D just like this film was um, and he gets a vision of smoke ambulance blood and he's like oh not again then they see on the news that the cowboy well the, the fellow who sat in front of him with a cowboy hat survived because if he'd have moved like nick asked him to to get out of their way in the premonition he'd have died but because he didn't move he survived they found him in the rubbish uh, the rubbish the rubble i got stuck between rubble and wreckage there um and he there's um they see him in intensive care and another thing i like it subverts your expectations so obviously not how they're going to do this because they've already killed one guy in intensive care in the second one um that was eugene like they just blew it up killed clear of us as well in this one um there's a above above his room is a a room with like a big hydrotherapy pool in it well like a, a hydrotherapy tub and this old guy is in this like harness and he says to the he says to the hypnotherapist do you know how many of your kind i killed in korea and the the this really weary hypnotherapist is just like i'm chinese sir and that got a that got a massive laugh when i saw it as well just this weary i mean you do gather the guy has got not that it defends it but you do gather the guy's got some kind of dementia or alzheimer's or something like that um because he is a bit incoherent in it I mean, maybe he's not. Maybe I just overread into it. Um, the guy's like, oh, I'll come back. He leaves the water running and this hydrotherapy pool overflows. Um, and the water, they get, Laurie, uh, no. George and Nick get there. Um, the guy has woke up, crawled out of his bed and the water tank drops on him, kills him. And George gets slammed by an ambulance that's quite that was quite a surprise when we watched the film but they, they walk across without without looking silly and it doesn't show him it doesn't show his body it just shows nick's reaction so you see like a bit of blood in the ambulance 
from the back and then you see Nick look around to see if he's any chance he's alive and he's just like, oh God. And that that's better. There's times when this film thought, right, look, we, we've we seen a lot of blood before. It, it kind of pulled the blood back a little bit. I don't know whether this was 2009. I don't know whether this came out at a point when thriller films and horror films, I think it swung massively one way in terms of you got the Saw films, which were gorier and gorier and gorier. And then up until the point where they, there was nothing they wouldn't show. The same, and you got films like Hostel and Hostel 2, um, and which were very, very bloody. And then I think films started to kind of swing back the other way. I think they realised that audiences has had that. And in the, I mean, a few years after this, you get films coming back, such as The, the Woman in Black, which I've reviewed um, before. It was a good segue, wasn't it? Uh, go back and listen to that one where they pulled right back from the gore and went much more for, um, what do they call it, tension, a little bit like the paranormal activities, which I will be reviewing, but at least the first three, which I've got on DVD. I don't plan on buying the others. Oh, you never know, I might do. And what was I talking about? Yeah, so it does kind of pull back the gore to some extent. We see at the mall, they're putting this massive engine in, um, and there's a remote control car um, that hits the girl's foot, and it's the it's the car from the racetrack that causes the crash. They go to the cinema. There's there's these new uh, new screens under construction, and the guy's like, right, lunch boys, off we go. They all drop tools and go, and a guy just drops his nail gun that's acting up faulty. Laurie gets her shoelace stuck in the escalator, but then it pulls free, and she's like, I should have seen that coming, and that. That's spoken a few times. I think it was spoken by Clear Rivers in the second one, Alex in the first one. A guy's put his welder's glasses down. The light shines through because like a covering sheet falls down so the sun gets in and sets some sawdust on fire. Janet and Laurie are watching a film in 3D and there's a vision of an explosion on the television and the fuel... Um, lights these big god knows why you'd need this these many tubs of combustibles when you're making a cinema film who knows uh, but don't think about the logic and as Laurie sat there she starts to see signs um, of things that happened at the racetrack so someone shouts down in front of asshole the what's his name like the cinema attendant says sir can you please move your feet Um. And you hear on the screen, I'll put these in your ears, it's going to be noisy. And Janet says, look, it's not, it's not over. Uh, sorry, Laurie says, it's, it's not over. Yeah, um, I, th I think we're in trouble. And Janet's like, look, it's over. I want to get on with it. And she won't leave. And then the, the tanks explode. Um, and all the, at the same time as the explosion on screen, blows through the screen, kills loads of people, including Janet. And you hear, you hear there's, a, there's a guy out the front of the... This is where you can see the bigger budget. There's a guy who uh, works in the cinema going, calm down, calm down, everything will be fine. And then he, there's a massive explosion and he's blown into a pillar. Um, God, I hear that rain. The escalator um, cracks in half. Um, Nick tries to hold on to it. Uh, Laurie... She, uh, she gets pulled into like a uh, gears and killed 
and it's pretty gory. And then Nick comes to, and he hears George saying, "Oh, it's, it's my wife says it's like deja vu," and it's, he's about to get hit by the ambulance, and he shouts, "Look out! It's too late!" And Nick just jumps in his car and then runs straight to the construction area. There's a small fire. The fire alarm's not connected when he tries to pull it. He grabs an extinguisher, but it doesn't work very well. Um, and he almost... God, look at that, listen to that rain. He almost pu- puts out the fire. The nail gun starts firing because it falls off the de- off the like, table. And it hits his arm and pins him to a wall. And fuel leaks towards the drums uh, that, that, that are on fire. No, the fuel from the drums, sorry, like, leaks towards this... Another pile of sawdust that's set on fire because of the embers. And he uses a stick to set off the fire alarms. And the flames hit the drums um, and start to light. And he manages to get the sprinklers on. Then we see um, it flashes forward. I don't know how far. He's got a cast on. And he says to a guy with the scaffolding, excuse me, mate, is it supposed to be this loose at the bottom? And he's like, oh, no, it's not going to be like that. Thanks for letting me know. And he's like, it appears to be safe. And they go to a coffee shop. And it, and it, oh, that's who it is. It's the homeless guy that the mum gave some money to earlier. And he says, hey, you're that guy that stopped the morphine. You saved a lot of lives. And Nick starts to see signs. He sees an advert in the cafe for the sign for the pool where Hunt died. Cinema leaflet. Um, uh, for the foot for the like the race stadium where they went and the, as the cafe you see the cafe from outside and bus 180 drives past then he sees on the table scratched out it's coming has been scratched out of the table and he, he has this strange feeling he says what if this was always the plan and they're like what are you talking about he's like what if this was always the plan to have the three of us sitting here um right here right now and as he thinks that, the scaffolding falls over in the, the street. A van, uh, like a massive truck, swerves to avoid it. And then it, it it's about to hit them. And then it cuts to like the X-ray kind of CGI of the three of them. The truck comes to the window, uh, breaks one of the necks, hits the other one, smacks into like Nick's skeleton and hits him to the ground and teeth fly everywhere. And it's all X-rayed, of course. And then the film ends there and uh, despite myself I, I did really enjoy this one probably more than I enjoyed the third one because the third one it had the same flaws as this in effect of like paper thin characters and you knew they were just there as cannon fodder but the third one tried to kind of make itself a bit serious at times whereas this film knew what it was took them around with some good performances in it though there's a stand-up performance by the guy who plays Hunt the security guard plays George has some, you know, he has a good story in it. It's and that's really interesting. And there's some inventive death, the car wash one. Yeah, I think even though she doesn't die, that I mean that that seems iconic. Really, really clever idea. The other bit with the the pool bit's horrible. Um, although I'd question where the lifeguard was. The What's the other bit? What's the other one that's really cool? I can't be that memorable. I've forgotten it. But yeah, um, there are some pretty good, uh, pretty cool, uh, pretty cool ideas in this one, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I definitely recommend it. 
for for fans of the series, and even if you just want just a daft film to watch, turn your brain off, watch it with your mates, or stick it on and just just enjoy it. So that's that's it for my the final destination uh, review. It turned out not to be the final destination because Final Destination Five came out and was brilliant by all accounts, but I haven't seen that in years. Just got the DVD for it, so I'm going to give that one a review next. So I hope you come back for that. Um, you can follow me or review me on Podchaser. That would be great. You can also check out uh, my Instagram or my t- my Twitter. There goes the telephone. Noises galore. Um, please, where was I up to? Yeah, thank you for listening if you've made it this far. Um, it's probably taken me almost half the film's runtime to describe the film. But yeah, give this one a go and I'll be back with my Final Destination 5 review. Cheers. Thank you.